Hey, it's October 21st. In 10 days, it's Halloween, which means in 11 days, it's November. It just doesn't stop, does it? I told you it wouldn't. I should have put money on it that October 21st would be here in no time. I would have made a lot of money. So welcome to the show. It's Friday night, the tail end of what was a really amazing week. Great guests from start to finish, great topics. The audience was fantastic. And uh, some unexpected blessings here at the end. I'll tell you about that right at, at the, uh, the time that we get to the other side of the opening intro. I want to thank Secret Nature CBD tonight for being my sponsor. On the weekend, Secret Nature CBD is a perfect companion to give that nervous system a rest. Do it. Do it. Secret Nature, that's high CBD, low THC. So low that it means that you get all the benefits of full-spectrum cannabinoids and terpenes without the high and the paranoia, the anxiety, all that, if that's what happens to you. So you can relax. You can calm your nerves. The team at Secret Nature, 20 years of experience breeding cannabis for retail and everything else, product development. So go check out the wonderful flower they got there, the oils, the tinctures. And Tyler from Secret Nature is going to be on the show, I believe, next week for a short segment about the body and the endocannabinoid system. Because I always wanted to do something like this and um, get the skinny on cannabis a little bit. So that's what we have. Tonight, Timothy Alberino is our guest. We are going to be talking about we are going to be talking about, uh, what's that, Matt? Cats. You know, cats might come up. But we're going to be talking about cryptids. I, I, I want to open up the cryptids uh, talk with him by uh, asking him some questions about biblical biblical angels. Because if you look at some depictions of... The Nephilim? Yeah, and the Seraphim. These, these, are, these are things that look like cryptids that people would say I saw this 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 horrid looking monster beneath the bridge right before it collapsed and it, you I mean you got to see these things so I got to tell them you know most people they hear angels they think of a a rosy-cheeked porcelain doll type of a figure with big big you know white wings and a and um, just glowing gold and white and all that stuff. Satan was an angel, wasn't he? Who? Satan. Yeah, yeah. The more and he, and he glowed uh, brighter than most people. The Morning Star did. Supposedly he was he was gorgeous. That uh, Lucifer, very lovely, lovely man. I heard he was gorgeous. Um but anyway, we have a we have a great show. Timothy Alberino will be on with that. I have to do a little bit of headlines at first because the the Bannon stuff is the Bannon stuff is well, we got to address it. I also would like to let everybody know right now too that tonight, probably around ten thirty p.m. or so, uh, we are going to be going live on Twitch. Me, uh, Mikey over there. Our buddy Steve, our buddy Joel, a couple other people, Joel, who's a member of this audience, a couple other people. I think we might have about four or five guys that are going to get together on Twitch on our PlayStations. We're going to play Friday the 13th. I told you we would do that at some point. So tonight around 1030, I think we're going to try that. That's going to be on Twitch. And I already spoke to Cody at the Quite Frankly Network. Hopefully he can screen capture that 
and send it on over to quitefrankly.tv to be part of the, the Friday night the Friday night programming there too. It should be fun. You know, you can come hang out and watch us try to survive um, a night in the woods with Jason running around. One of us could be Jason, and then we get to, you know, destroy the others. Anyway, that's just something. It's the fall, it's the winter, so I wanted to do a little bit more sporadic late-night gaming on the weekends, especially when it's cold and there's nothing to do. I figure everybody can get together, put the headsets on, and we can create some live content and have some fun. So we're going to try that out tonight and see where we can take it from there. Um, but yeah, all right, so that's... That's the first thing I'll remind you about that before we leave. He, let's go into the super chats. Not super chats. Let's go into the grab bag. And the first thing we have here is from CNBC. Here's the headline from CNBC. Where are we at? There we go. Steve Bannon sentenced to four months in jail for contempt of Congress. Why? Former top Trump White House advisor Steve Bannon was sentenced to four months in jail for defying a subpoena from the House probe of the January 6th Capitol riot. So now they're handing out jail time for people who don't go over there and interact and validate their um, their off-Broadway production. The House held Bannon in contempt of Congress for refusing to comply with a select committee subpoena for documents and testimony. Bannon had asked federal judge Carl Nichols for a sentence of probation. Former top... So so that's what you have there. He's also been fined about $6,500, but he ruled that Bannon will not have to serve the sentence until an expected appeal plays out. So this is what we got from uh, Steve Bannon outside of the courthouse today. This is about two minutes and, a, and uh, two and a half minutes, three minutes long, but listen to this. My direction. Yeah. Legitimate. Hang on. I, I, I wanna, <clears throat> by the way, I want to say one thing. I, I respect uh, the judge. The sentence he came down with today is his decision. I fully respect. I've been totally respectful of this entire process uh, on the legal side. also want to make one other statement before I talk about a broader topic. More than any person in the Trump administration, I testified before the Mueller Commission for more hours. I testified in front of uh, Chair Schiff and the House Intelligence Committee more than any other person in the Trump administration. I, attest- I testified in front of the Senate Intelligence, I think, more than any- all about the issues related uh, to, uh, to Russia Gate, to all of that, okay? The same process every time. I had lawyers that were engaged, they worked through the issues of privilege, and at that time I went and testified. And, I, and, and this thing about uh, I'm above the law is an absolute and total lie. Now, more importantly, more importantly, the judge, today was my judgment day by the judge, and he stated and for the appeal, and we'll have a very vigorous appeals process, I've got a great legal team, and there'll be multiple areas of appeal. But, as that sign says right there, can we have the vote sign? On November 8th, on November 8th, on November 8th, there's going to have judgment on the illegitimate Biden regime. And quite frankly, and quite frankly. Thanks for that, Steve. We got two big quite frankly's out of them today. Nancy Pelosi and the entire committee. And we know which way that's going. Either they've already been turfed out like Liz Cheney, mm-hmm. right, or have quit, like Kinzinger and other the Democrats, yep. or they're about to be beaten like Luria and others, or 
they will lose their power and become a minority and Nancy Pelosi and, and uh, Tom's Chairman Thompson, all of it. This is a, this is a, this is democracy. This is democracy. The American people are way in measuring what went on with the Justice Department and how they comported themselves. They're weighing and measuring that right now, and they will vote on November 8th. They will, hang on, they will vote, hang on, they will, they will know, they will know, they, they, can I go ahead and finish? Can I, thanks? They, on November 8th, on November 8th. He's got a bunch of, he's got a bunch of blue anons behind him screaming about jailing all coup plotters and all that stuff so he the 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 anon uh the blue anon i guess you could call him kuanon uh the, the uh there somebody go out there and please brand that kuanon that's the new one the american people will raise judgment and we will groom the biden administration ends on the eighth evening of the eighth of november so that's what he said um uh, it's incredible just incredible on that respect. Uh, and of course, because they have levied this charge against him, now we get this. We get Trump ordered to testify in capital assault probe. So what what, what I'm, I'm suspecting is going on here is they either want you before this ridiculous Broadway production to answer questions and hopefully get tripped up in something that could be that could be turned into I don't know perjury or this is just the way that they work. They want to keep you talking until you give them something they can work with. So it's dangerous for anybody to go in front of psychopath. You, you, this is the, pretty much the Sanhedrin right here. You don't want to go in front of the Sanhedrin, ladies and gentlemen. You don't want to do it. You'll get crucified. So um, it's either that or. Can you imagine if Trump says no, if he defies the subpoena, now what? If he gets ordered to testify and he doesn't come in, now what? Does he get four four months? Does he? Do they finally get the picture of him with handcuffs on? What the heck? This is what it's all coming up uh, coming up to. Now, Bannon is the latest example of what we are forced to pay into under threat of our own imprisonment. I've been talking about this for a while. It's a common theme on the show. You work your ass off, give 30 to 40% of your earnings to saggy-faced fucks like Liz, Liz Cheney to wage war against their political opponents. That's what our tax dollars, that's what our money goes to. That's what they use, the money that they've taxed of ours. Okay, that's what they use it for. They steer contracts, they declare wars. Actually, they don't declare wars, they just bomb people. And they take the money for themselves, and they start programs that don't do anybody good and usually go bankrupt, but have to keep getting funded for some reason. Now, the J6 committee, as they call themselves, is a horseshit investigation. It's a horseshit committee. And when you don't take them seriously, they reserve the right to put you in jail. That's really what it's coming down to here. This is an extrajudicial farce that was created out of the necessity to vilify a growing number of people that cannot be ignored anymore uh, a g- growing number of public unrest with obvious theft and corruption. This is how you vilify those people because you cannot go out and you can't you can't deny it. You just look the other way. You can't actually look into it, or else you're going to you're going to condemn yourself. And look, here's another desperate gambit to keep a 
trusted firewall in place. This is all going to come together and really sum up some thoughts that we've had uh, repeating on us like a bad meatball sandwich this entire week. Here's a headline. Biden administration reportedly unaware of national security review of Musk Ventures. Reportedly unaware. Now, this was something that was popping up a little bit. Twitter is pairing some of its overnight declines on reports that the White House is not aware of a national security review for Musk Ventures. So the initial report here was that there was a uh, there was going to be a national security review. Would the Biden D- uh, DOJ step in to to stop the acquisition of Twitter by Elon Musk based on the fact that it was a national security situation what would make it a national security situation well the initial claim was that uh it was it was a a matter of musk having some kind of a favorable view uh toward russia in the fact that he doesn't want nuclear exchanges and he would actually would like to see that people sit down and stop the war concede you're going to have to concede some stuff to Russia, and you're going to have to reevaluate yourself going forward, NATO. Just stop this. Stop the killing. Stop getting innocent people killed. Um, so he was pretty much on the side of, at least lately, in public, this has got to stop. And um, and that it has uh, has sparked some discussions as to whether or not the DOJ was going to, uh, was going to jump in and do one thing or another to put... Musk and Twitter under a national security review because oh you wouldn't want you wouldn't want Twitter to be in the hands of someone who has an anti-war stance that wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to do that now why would this be the case and how does it how does it go hand in hand with what was going on with Steve Bannon and what they're probably going to try with Donald Trump coming up next well remember I said last night or the night before uh, about how I'm really curious to see what the next couple of election cycles brings, namely whether or not the, uh, we are going to see one or all of the next couple of election cycles just stopped altogether. What the 2024, I said last night in particular, I think last night, I was curious as to what the 2024 election would bring us by then if Twitter had actually some real, objectively transparent and positive things done to it under a Musk ownership. That might have been on Tuesday night when Bill Altman was in. But I wondered about that, because you're not going to get any kind of changes like that in the next couple of weeks. So by 2024, if Twitter is under control, is, is under the control of Elon Musk and his partners, and they actually do real, objectively good, transparent liberty free speech promoting things at the at the uh the the platform what the hell would happen and why do i ask that's not to say that leftists would be removed from the platform of course it just means that there would be no suppression of important stories there would be no suppression of important social debates on twitter Certainly, you can see why people who are currently working at the White House would see the loss of Twitter as being a national security issue, despite what Elon Musk thinks about Russia and Ukraine. you got to see that. It's the security of their little breakaway nation that they're concerned about, not the security of the American Union and the free speech that's supposed to be protected for, uh, protected, uh, uh, or, or enshrined for all 
and and uh, protected by our Constitution. That's not it at all. It's not that Elon Musk has a slightly less suicidal view on what Russia and NATO should do to conclude the war. You certainly can't say that Musk is, is, is anti-Ukraine. I mean, he was footing the bill for Ukraine satellite warfare for the first eight months of the war. So, I mean, it, what it comes down to is that Twitter, if it is lost, all they have left is Google search engine, a dying Facebook platform that nobody's using anymore and is becoming so obscure, and YouTube, which is killing itself in grand fashion. So if all that, it's all that you have left, Twitter is a major distribution point for all of their bullshit that they used to deliver, they used to deliver exclusively through TV, radio, and print. But no one interacts with those old analog systems anymore. In fact, we only ever get glimpses of what happens on TV because Twitter repackages it in small bites. So they would be reliant at that point by 2024 to get their message out on outlets like Mother Jones and the Young Turks. I mean, losing Twitter would be a disaster. It really would be, especially if some objectively good things were done there. So you combine this with the Steve Bannon news, and this is more of what I've been talking about with extenuating circumstances for globalists to do literally anything over the next few election cycles to maintain what they would see as an acceptable world order. I'll put it to you this way. Do you think that they could possibly allow all of their future future plans for the world, and we know what their future plans for the world are because they have published it, in not only white papers, but in all of their World Economic Forum novels that have come out in the last couple of years, The Great Reset, The Great Narrative, UN Agenda 2030, it's all out there. Everything coming out of the Vatican from the Pope, Prince Charles, it's all out there. Do you think that they would possibly allow the success of their future plans to be beholden to a truly well-informed, so that means information, and a well-informed voting base, and also honest elections. Do you really think? They, they, they simply cannot gamble like that. So I, that's the reality here. That's the reason. It's, it's not because, oh, there's an election coming up and I want to say something drastic. Is it going to go off? I'm, is it going to happen? Is the election going to get canceled? All I'm saying is the path that we're on, it's, it's, it's it, what else is there going to happen? What's, what's going to happen? Where do we go? Of course, this is where we're going. At least that's the way I see it. All right. All right. Let's take a little break. We'll come back and we're going to set the table for Timothy Alberino, who should be on with us in about 10 minutes. Don't go anywhere, my friends. You tune in at your own enjoyment. Because it is the best show since the beginning of time. It has technological advancements and a more sophisticated approach. But like every great awakening that has preceded it, it has one iron rule. Logic is a friend and truth is essential. You are now entering, quite frankly. Now take off your pants. And jacket. You let 
one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Ladies and gents, thank you. Welcome to the show. It's 7.15 p.m. on the East Coast, and we're live here from New York. And if you are listening to it in the afterwards, on demand, thank you for tuning in whenever you have found it convenient, and I hope that you're enjoying it with friends and family. I would like to... I would like to just re- let you all know that you can send in super chats to a number of di- uh, in a number of directions. The universal super chat set up for everybody, no matter where you're watching live. And there's a number of play D Live, Theta, Foxhole, Twitch, Rumble, YouTube, Rockfin. Uh, wherever you're watching live, you can all take advantage of quite frankly superchat.com. Quite frankly superchat.com. I'll get to those as the show goes on. There's also the Rumble Rants. There is the Gold Pills on Foxhole, which is native to QuiteFrankly.tv. There's Rockfin Tips. So I check them all, but there is a universal super chat you should all know about. I got to say, though, too, this was a really, um, really pleasant day as far as some unexpectedly nice things happening. Things I don't don't see usually. Um, First of all, I put out a tweet. I put out a tweet that Project Veritas picked up, a tweet of my own. I tweeted about Project Veritas. You know, remember my Linguini comments last night? Well, I took those out and I turned it into a tweet. I, I recycled the, the Linguini joke a little bit and I, uh, I tweaked it and I made it really nice and cutting. And uh, here was the joke. I did see that Musk's plans on firing 75% of Twitter staff uh, and that is something I didn't report last night. He's planning on 75% Twitter staff reduction. Okay? I said, how delicious that was to read. That's like 4,000 less people that James O'Keefe has to feed Linguini to on hidden camera. And because, as you know, you put a, you put a bowl of Linguini in front of these people and they tell you everything. You don't even have to give them the truth serum. It's just Linguini and clam sauce. They're, they're freaks. Um, I don't know. I would do a lot for Linguini, too, sometimes. But um, anyway, uh, I guess James O'Keefe from Project Veritas saw this, and they put it on their Instagram. They put it in their Telegram. They put it on their Gab. It's, uh, it's been fantastic, and people are loving it, and I'm so happy about that. You um, know what's funny? 
You know, it's funny. He doesn't even know he was right next to you at that event. I know. Well, that we were talking to him at yeah. the elevator. That I stuck my head in his room. He's like, hey. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, I know. What, and we were, we were waiting for the elevator with him. It was Yeah, his room had the air conditioning, so I stuck my head in because I was sweating. Sorry, was James. No, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, anyway, he's only a few miles away, so I, I, I emailed them. I, emailed, I said, okay, well, I guess the, the iron's hot. Let me strike. And I'd say, hey, uh, you know, we're, we're, not, we're your next-door neighbors. Love to have you in, in the studio sometime. That would be great. Um, but uh, but the, other, the other cool thing that happened is that Anomaly... The, uh, the, what is it, the, the rapper, Anomaly, he does a lot of social commentary as well. He found a clip of my interview with Roseanne. I guess the interview with Roseanne is getting around. It's not on YouTube. So uh, it's getting around, and he, and he is, I think, at the moment, watching parts of the interview with Roseanne and what she was saying about there being a civil war within, uh, within Judaism or within you know American Jews. There's a civil war there. Can- cancel culture is a, a big part of it and all that stuff. And uh, I was so happy to see that. Uh, th- that got retweeted today, and people say that it's part of his show tonight. And Darren Beatty from Revolver even retweeted it and was saying, uh, laying, you know, putting his own comments. I've tried to get Darren Beatty on the show. I can't tell you how many times to talk about January 6th. He and Julie Kelly are like two of the best people to talk to about that situation. Um, so it was so great to see all this stuff happening and quite frankly, kind of in the middle of it all. Plus, Steve Bannon, after he was sentenced to prison, he said, quite frankly, twice. Yeah. He watches. That's, that's exactly why he said it. But, um, so, a nice a nice day. Nice little thing. Um, just a little something. That happened. Okay, so, um, I had a little... I gotta say a little bit of a an email that was sent here about cryptids, and this is part of the reason why I wanted to bring on Timothy Alberino tonight to talk a little. It's Friday, so I wanted to just uh, you know loosen the tie a little bit, and I wanted to have some fun and get a little bit creepy, but also just it, it's interesting stuff because it go harkens some of this harkens back to biblical prophecy and all that other stuff. Because I gotta ask about biblical angels. The first thing I wanted to ask him about was cryptids based on the fact that this hierarchy of angels from the Bible that I have found and I kept around for a night like this, some of the, some of the, um, the celestial bodies are freakish. Freakish stuff. Um, is the wampus cat up there? There is, there is a wampus here, cat. Here, look, Matt. Tell me if you can see this. It looks can you very s- ferocious. Can you see this? Uh, I'm looking at it. What? So up, uh, up top left is seraphim. Which is just like an eye with all this crazy fur and wings, and that's that's that thing. If I saw ever saw that thing, I would think that oh yeah, this is a almost like a you know it's it it exists on the same level as like a Mothman. I wouldn't have thought heaven, cherubim, got multiple heads. Some of them animals, thrones. What the hell is throne? There's an Their eye. Heads or anals? Animals. Oh, anals. And then I looked at thrones over here. You know, and you know the reason why I also looked into this, the first reason why is that somebody actually went out and animated biblically accurate depictions of angels. You might have seen this 20-second clip out there. It's, it, this is odd. I'm going to get myself off the screen. So I guess this is uh, Seraphim right here, and then it goes to 
Is that L- a real picture? Look. Look at this. It goes the other way. This is that's crazy. That's where, a seraphim. Where did they find this? <laughs> I could picture that being a That's thrones. Now uh, what the hell is it about these these rings uh that are that are gyrating that it that, doesn't matter what's going on around him that he'll always see you. But I don't get, I, I don't understand this. It, it, it's so freakish and that scary. That means open up your third eye. The eye's all over that one. So, I mean, that that thing's going around where somebody actually put their, um, their motion graphics skills to the test in creating, in creating um, these, these things. The first um, one reminds me of uh, what's that dog's name from Neverending Story? Valcor. Yeah. Valcor. What was his name? I think it was Valcor. Anyway, I got to ask Timothy about these, um, but I do want to give you a little bit of a cryptids uh, encounter from one of our audience members named Aaron. Here's what he said. Hey, Frank, I'm not sure when you want to talk about seeing strange things in nature, but I'm an avid outdoorsman. I've been hunting since I was 14, and I've spent a lot of time in the woods. I've seen black bear, grizzlies, wolves, bobcats, pine martens, wolverines, fishers, otters, and pretty much most animals in the Northwest. But two years ago, I went to pick huckleberries in Idaho with my mom, sister, niece, and nephew and saw something I'd never seen before. We were walking back to my pickup after not finding any huckleberries, and both my niece and I saw a small, possibly juvenile, bipedal animal. So on two legs, or hominid. It ran from my left to my right about 70 yards away and hid behind a large pine tree, peering out from behind it and ducking back quickly, then slowly peering out from behind it five or six times, almost like a peekaboo game. It seemed frightened and curious at the same time. Its hands were placed onto each side of the tree that was hiding. it was hiding behind. It was only about four, to, uh, four and a half to five feet tall, black, straight, fairly short hair, it looked like a chimpanzee with longer legs, and it ran on two legs. There was a cow laying in front of the tree that wasn't spooked by it, almost not even acknowledging its presence. My niece looked at me and said, what was that? I told her I had no idea. I was carrying my nephew on my shoulders, or I would have investigated further. When we got home, she and I were in disbelief of what we saw. I even hesitated calling my friend of 30 years about it. The encounter lasted about a minute, plenty of time for most encounters of a different nature, but it made me question the existence of a northern ape or possibly a lost tribe of hominids. Best regards, Aaron. My O. It's probably a juvenile... uh, Delinquent. Yeah, it's probably a juvenile delinquent. Probably. Probably, you know, the Gigantopithecus. What's that? Bigfoot. Well, our, our well, it didn't sound very big. It was a little juvenile, foot, a juvenile Bigfoot. Well, our guest Timothy Alberino, he is an explorer. He is a researcher. He uh, is a cat uh, a writer. Cat person? No. <laughs> he is a writer, and we are going to do some uh, talks tonight. Uh, he, I love his seminars. We got to talk more about his books. We're actually going to make. I would love to do Birthright as a part of our book series. And ask because I have a whole list. I have a whole list of questions that are based on our on his writing in birth in birthright, his latest book. But between his se- seminars and a life that has been spent adventuring 
the world looking for lost civilizations, megaliths, and anything else that gives us a look into um, the very complex nature of our reality. He is one of the many, uh, uh, he's one guy that I love bringing on all the time to have many types of conversations about the, the these these types of topics. Timothy Alberino is back with us. Timothy, how you feeling? Doing well, Frank. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing really well. And everything is uh, has fall hit you guys uh, up there by in, in the north? Today. It just got cold today. Wow. We've had really nice weather uh, up until today, so it just, it just arrived. Well, I'm happy to hear that we're all on the same page because I, I, I don't know whether to get jealous of people who still have warm weather or... Whatever. I, I, I'd rather us all be on the same page. But, Tim... It, when I say just arrived, I mean in Montana terms. I mean, usually it's cold and snowy in fall, so it hasn't been that way. So. Oh, so then you, you're, you're talking about nights that are in the 20s right now. Definitely. Wow. Wow. That, that's, yeah, that's still a little bit ways out for us, for sure. Um, you know, I, I brought you on tonight... And I already know that we have great things that are lined up for a future future talk based on what you sent me. Uh, but I wanted to talk about cryptids with you, and I know that this is something that you have covered. You have uh, you have traveled the world. You've been to some really interesting places. We still have not even learned about all those those stories yet. And um, I wanted to bring it up for a couple of reasons. Number one, because it's spooky season. But about a month ago, I came across a few bits of media that I had seen before, and it was a diagram of different classes of angels and celestial beings. I just showed the audience before you came on here, and I sent them to you as well. Uh, this is an incredible hierarchy, and I would love, um, I would love for you to tell me a little bit about w what we're looking at here, because when I look at something like seraphim and cherubim and all this stuff, I'm thinking these look like cryptids. If I saw this, I would not be thinking heaven. I would be thinking, I don't know, something jumped in from wherever Bigfoot comes from, and it's far more creepy. Like, it looks like a cousin of Mothman. Can you tell us a little bit about the hierarchy of celestial beings? Well, in regards to those photos that you sent me, I'm probably going to disappoint you with my answer, which is going to be somewhat prosaic. Uh, I believe that the descriptions of these various angelic entities within the context of prophetic iconography, because that's where they come from, that, that those descriptions are not meant to be anatomical depictions of these beings, literal anatomical depictions, rather they are symbolic representations mm. that are meant to convey a message. So for take, take for example, the cherubim, which are, there's, uh, there's, there's various entities that are described within the context of prophetic iconography in the Hebrew scriptures, both in the Old Testament and, and in the New Testament. And um, they're in they're in various circumstances, and you have the seraphim, the orphim, the cherubim, and the cherubim, for example, are described with four faces, and those four faces are looking in one in every direction. You have the face of a man, you have the face of an ox, you have the face of an eagle, and you have the face of a lion. And when I was growing up, when I was younger, um, I always assumed that that was an anatomical depiction of a real being. 
And uh, as I, I'd like to think I've matured in my understanding of the biblical text and in the the message that's being conveyed, especially in the context of prophetic iconography. I have since realized that those four faces actually correspond to the four cardinal directions of the zodiac. You have the face of a man being Aquarius. You have the face of an ox uh, being or or of a bull being Taurus. You have the face of an eagle being Scorpio, which is represented as a scorpion and an eagle. And of course, you have the face of the lion being represented in Leo. Those are the four cardinal directions of the zodiac. And so when you talk about the zodiac within the context of prophetic iconography, what you're dealing with is time. That's what the zodiac represents, time. And so um, the these entities in the way that they are described are communicative they 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 communicate information they convey information often pertaining to very specific periods of time and they predict things so um when i look at the again when i look at the cherubim cherubim have uh many wings and they have eyes all over their wings and much like the images that you sent me. And that is in itself a communication of vigilance. And in fact, I would go so far as to draw a parallel between this idea of eyes and vigilance to these entities who are called in both the biblical and extra biblical texts at, who are designated as watchers. Hmm. And that watcher designation is is very much uh, congruent with this idea of all of these eyes all over the body of these entities under their wings and so forth. They're they're watchful. They're being vigilant and 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 not just vigilant, but it also communicates a guardianship that these are guardians. And in fact, that is precisely what a cherubim, what the cherubim were, is they were guardians. They were, they were quote-unquote throne guardians, but in a grander context, they were guardians of the kingdom. And these were not, uh, cherubim were not um, inventions of the Hebrews. The, the cherub was well known in the ancient Near East. You have depictions of the cherub, the same kind of cherub, by the way, the, same, the very same depictions found in ancient Egypt. You have them, and you have them all over Mesopotamia, Babylonia, and, and before that in the Sumerian and Akkadian Empire. So, um, obviously, what we have here is a communication within the context of prophetic iconography, because prophecy, I think we've discussed this before on your show, prophecy is meant to be interpreted. It is, it is, it's, it's encoded information. It's like a zipped folder on a computer that has to be extracted. So prophecy is not meant to be taken at face value, but rather interpreted and, and, and interpreted based on the context in which it was written and the symbolism and the culture, um, the, symbol, the symbolism it uses and the culture in which it was written, the, con the, the cultural context in which it was written. So um, those descriptions of angels that you find in the biblical and extra biblical texts 
um, all of those bizarre descriptions of angels are always exclusively in the context of a vision or a dream or some kind of a prophetic encounter with one of the prophets in the, of the Old Testament and then in the New Testament, John, uh, who, who was having visions on the island of Patmos. So, um, again, they're designed to communicate a particular message. It's a relief. No. It's a relief. I'll tell you that much because uh, th- for these to be literal, it, they're they're pretty freakish. And the thrones, the uh, that that is that's just confusing. Why the gyrating rings? What, what, what is because that doesn't make make any sense at all. Oh, uh, there's all kinds of speculation about that. Um, it 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 may be describing some kind of a vehicle. Okay. Of course, you have that speculation. The ancient aliens people will argue that it it represents a spaceship um other people argue that it it represents different attributes of god it it represents there's all kinds of things there's all kinds of of notions out there um but what's really interesting what's really i think important to recognize is that we've been talking about the 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 enigmatic representation of these entities within the context of prophecy, prophetic iconography. However, whenever we encounter an angelic being, let's let's be more let's be more provocative and let's be more accurate. Whenever we encounter these extraterrestrial entities interacting with mankind, they always have the appearance of men, or rather, we we look like them. And in every case, they never have wings. And they, they never have, they never are these bizarre looking beings with multiple eyes or heads or anything like that. They always look like us in every single case. Nearly, nearly indistinguishable from the human species. And I've made the case, I believe, on your show before that the reason why I think that is the case is precisely because we are related. We are, we were supposed to be members of the same family. We are, in fact, siblings. And they are our elder siblings, and we are the younger sibling, and therefore we look similar. We look uh, like our father, really. We bear the semblance of our father. So um, it, it, it's, it, it's, it, it's important to, ke- to keep that in mind, that whenever angels are actually encountered on earth, they always look like us. Okay, I, 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 and I do remember you bringing that up there, and I'm glad I brought this up because I think it's a good segue, but it's also something I needed a little bit of clarity on because these, uh, these are often the, the conversations and the, the, the depictions, literal depictions that are uh, proliferated around the Internet. It, it, it's great. You know, before I get into the actual asking, maybe the difference, uh, what, how you would define a cryptid and getting into a little bit of your adventures and stuff like that, let me ask you real quick about, are you um, familiar with Dr. Michael Heiser's work? I am. So he his work suggests, if I have this right, that the Bible references the existence of divine councils of entities, with God pretty much being the chairman of the board. What, what do you think about uh, what do you think about his work? Uh, I would concur that uh, there is a divine council. There is a council in heaven, and that that council is the members of that council are the highest ranking individuals in the kingdom of heaven, um, and uh, it's it's very much like our understanding of a king and his council 
the, the, there's a high king, there's a supreme king, and that would be the son of God in the biblical context. And then the council would be the princes and potentates that rule on behalf of the son of God. Um, and uh, the Bible calls these, it refers to these entities as, as uh, uh, to these individuals as princes in several places. And in fact, it calls the son of God the prince of princes. And so this is a council of princes. This is a council, again, as I said, of the most regal and high-ranking individuals in the kingdom of heaven. And this is what I believe uh, Dr. Heiser refers to as the divine council. And again, I concur with that view. I think it's, I think it's, um, I think it's uh, obvious in the biblical text that that is the case. And it would be very difficult to argue against it. And, and I think that's why when we look at in, the, in Genesis, when, when, when God says very famously, let us make man in our image. Well, Trinitarians have tried to construe that into a declaration by the Trinity, by the three members of the Trinity, let us, in the plural sense. But I think uh, that that's nonsense. I think what we have here is we have this council functioning. And we see the council functioning in various places of the Old Testament. I referenced the watchers. This is one of the areas. It's in the book of Daniel where we see the council functioning. And, and the members of this council are called watchers, the watcher, the holy watchers of heaven. And the watchers are presiding over the judgment of Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, Nebuchadnezzar is being, is being judged and he is is sentenced to madness three years of madness he would he would be given the mind of a beast and 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 he would end up um living like a beast for three years eating grass and basically going completely insane this was a judgment passed down by the council of heaven by the watchers and obviously again referencing human kingdoms the council is subject to the king and so it's very much a royal setting. It's a royal courtroom. It's a royal throne room type setting. Um, the kingdom of heaven, as I often say, is it's not some kind of a, uh, an abstract philosophical or spiritual concept. I like to say that the kingdom of heaven has locality. It's a place. It's a place. Dare I say a planet? I don't know. But it's certainly a place. It has locality, and, and there is a literal council and uh and uh, they are interacting with the affairs of the earth and and we have a view of that again in the in some of these stories in the old testament i i, I see this is another reason why i love bringing you on to have these conversations timothy because um it, it's i think when we start getting into as you said some people say it's a maybe a a, a place or you said locality i like that that word um because there's a lot of people it gets a lot more I don't know, ethereal, it's a little bit more smoky and misty and, and, and not really set. I think that it's so fascinating how you bring physical dimension, uh, and, and especially when you were on, I think, one of the first times, no, the, maybe the second time you were on, to talk about the actual battle uh, in heaven, how this was a physical battle. It was a physical war, um, and and the, the uh, of the effects that we uh, we still feel that there would have been wreckage there would have been debris left behind from this war that it wasn't just something happening in the heavens in in a in a dimension unlike ours i i always found that to be the most fascinating things to contemplate i don't know how to i don't know how to how to verify any of it that's why i bring you on but uh that's a it's it's great to hear well 
so many Christians uh, and, and, and people who are non-Christians just looking from outside in have this concept of some sort of, as you said, an ethereal spiritual realm or in modern terms, some people are talking now about a, a dimensional realm. But the problem is I've never seen one of those. Neither have you. None of us have ever seen one of these realms. All that we know is what we experience on a daily basis, which is this world in which we in which we inhabit. And we can look out into the greater universe and we can see other planets. The other day, my neighbor who works at the university, uh, he runs the some of the experiments for the for the physics classes and the astrophysics. And they gave him this expensive they gave him this expensive telescope to configure. And he was, at nighttime, he, he knocked on my door and he was really excited. He wanted me to come out, me and my boys to come out and and take a look at this telescope that he was dialing in. And, and he had it set, he, when we walked out there, he, he had the telescope zoned in on, uh, on Jupiter. And it was the first time that I've looked through an expensive telescope, looked at a planet through an expensive telescope. And it was really, amazing because not only could you clearly see jupiter and the uh and the atmospheric you know those those atmospheric swirls and 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 that atmosphere that sort of um that uh, uh that surrounds jupiter mm. um i could also see the four moons of jupiter which was really really incredible you could see the four moons of jupiter very clearly too you could see them clear as day and they change position throughout the night because they're orbiting Jupiter, just like our our moon is is orbiting the Earth. And then we put the we we moved it and we we focused it on Saturn, and and I could see Saturn uh, very clearly with the, with its rings. And uh, again, it was the first time I've ever looked into a high-powered telescope. Of course, I've seen many images, as we all have, but to actually see it with your eyes rather than looking at an image, looking through a telescope, is really something special. And it makes you it sort of it, it, it draws you into that to the vastness of of the universe and it and it makes you feel like there, there's something so immense going on out there and around you that you're you're involved in something that's much larger a galactic story and i think that that is exactly the story of the bible it's a galactic story and uh, it's galactic in scope and it really and so when I think about the the kingdom of heaven, when I think about these ent entities, which I rightly describe as extraterrestrial entities, because as we've discussed before on your show, angels are certainly extraterrestrials. Um, in the regard, I, in the regard that they are not of Earth, they're definitely not Earth-born, and anything right. that anything that is not from the Earth is, by definition, extra terrestrial terrestrial means earth extraterrestrial so so um i mean uh, uh, uh anything that a microbe living on mars would be considered an extraterrestrial creature an extraterrestrial entity in some respects um because it's it's not from the earth anything who's pro anyone whose provenance is not planet earth is by definition an extraterrestrial and so um, the angelic beings in the Bible certainly fit that definition. And so, again, when I look out into space and into the cosmos, I just, I, I, uh, it, it's so strange to imagine some kind of a spiritual world or a dimensional world when I'm literally looking at these other worlds that we can see in a telescope. And so, though that's the, 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 
the universe you don't need and you don't need to construct another universe for these things to exist in it's already here again look in a telescope it's already here this universe already exists for for everything to exist within the known universe now that's not to say that there aren't other dimensions the uh, other um uh, that that's not to say that there aren't other physical dimensions um i actually I subscribe to string theory, so I think that there are at least 10, but that doesn't mean that these other dimensions are other worlds or other universes. It just means that they are other facets of the world that we already inhabit, just like um, the example that's often cited when people talk about these kinds of things, ultraviolet light. We can't see ultraviolet light because our eyeballs are incapable of, of picking up that spectrum of light, but it exists nonetheless and and animals and insects can see it and so they're accessing to some degree an element of nature of the of the of created order that 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 we're we're still interacting with but we just can't perceive so really we have a problem of perception i call it perceptual cataracts yeah mm. I, I and i and i i felt something similar to that though i wasn't really thinking that deeply uh, when i was younger and i was able to peer into one of my uncle's telescopes and actually see the rings of saturn for the first time and that that was something ex- extraordinary because without that you know somebody can say hey you see that bright st- that bright dot in the sky right there that's saturn you say okay i'll take your word for it but when you actually see structure and form and and every everything it, it's all there it, just absolutely incredible but you know as 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 easy as it is to peer into the night sky and find that sense of wonder creeping up inside of you there's also that uh, there's so much wonder as you know too because you're a guy who has explored the jungles of the earth and looking for lost civilizations and everything and and also uh maybe extinct species or those that are still creeping around and just hiding out sometimes we can look into our backyards and find that kind of sense of wonder people who see things that they can't explain um uh, you know cryptids are is the catch-all for it um they're very regional uh, very regional stuff. Whether we're, you know, we're talking about seraphim and cherubim and and all the different types of categories of uh, beings in, in heaven and what they may be, literally and figuratively and whatnot. But when it comes to earthbound experiences, I mean, what what would you say? cryptids are can you define them i know mystical creatures that can't be proven um but in that case this is everything that has not been found yet a cryptid i i I don't know how to even start defining it for myself i don't know exactly what the what the official definition for cryptid is but but we i think we all understand that a cryptid is defined as 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 understood as a creature that has not been officially discovered and that it has some mythical elements to it obviously the loch ness monster the bigfoot that that almost have a a supernatural aspect to them and uh this is a this is a different thing altogether when you talk about cryptids um i am i am a firm believer in the bigfoot creature i've seen i've heard enough testimony from enough people who are completely sane people who i would trust if they told me that they were in the in the forest hunting in a 
in a in a massive grizz they saw a massive grizzly bear that charged them i i would believe them i wouldn't think that they mistake the grizzly bear for a rabbit or yeah. something and you know these these same kind of people completely sane um outdoorsmen who've spent their entire lives hunting and fishing and 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 have encountered every kind of animal in the woods when they when they tell me a very detailed and and a very emotional story about an encounter with uh, with a bigfoot creature or several and they describe the way it smells they describe the color of its eyes they describe the facial features the differences between the males and the females um i tend to believe these people now that doesn't mean that i believe everybody i have met plenty of kooks in my life um who who tell me fantastical stories but i don't know who they are they seem to be uh irrational people um i'm not talking about them i'm talking about people who i know to be rational people who i trust again are going to be able to tell the difference between a bear and a hominid and uh so i absolutely based on the testimony of these rational individuals and the co the corroborating information the corroborating testimonies that come in across the board it's very difficult not to concede that that this bigfoot creature exists in some capacity i mean what exactly it is nobody really knows and you know the rational side of my mind wants to just say that the bigfoot is a it's a, a simian creature um it's a hominid ape-like creature that simply has that that did not go extinct with the other megafauna in america and in other parts of the world and is it's simply a an animal but the problem is there's bizarre things that happen with this creature for example i had a group of hunters talking to me one time at a conference um and they were together hunting and they saw this thing out in the field maybe 100 200 yards away and um but they could only see it through the scope of their of their of their rifles they couldn't see it with the naked eye for some reason they could only see it through the scope of their rifles hmm. rifles and they were completely baffled asking me what what does that mean we don't understand and i don't know if it's because they just couldn't see it with the naked eye and and it was just easier to see with the scope or if there's some kind of an optical thing going on some maybe some kind of a um uh the, the bending of of light or something like that if is there technology involved is this creature related to is there some kind of relationship between the bigfoot creature and gray aliens and 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 ufos and orbs and all of this well, uh, that's, very well maybe that sounds very familiar that sounds very much like the some of the testimony many much of the testimony because there's it's changed hands so many times out there coming out of skinwalker ranch um, yes. That, that, yeah. that, that there would be some large objects, large creatures that would be running across the field, but would have have no real uh, mass that you can. It almost looks like running cellophane that you can see through it. Uh, and so there is some kind of an optical thing that has been reported in that respect. So that that seems consistent. Right, and in other places, uh, in, in other places as well as some of these other Bradshaw Ranch and some of these other anomalous locations they seem to always have a, a bigfoot encounter there's always a bigfoot uh character in the story and i find it intriguing i don't know what the answer is to the the unexplainable activity that seems to accompany this creature i've never seen one 
Mm-hmm. You know, I'm 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 good friends with uh, with uh, Mancow Muller, and and Mancow's had a Bigfoot had a Bigfoot experience, and 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 he describes it in, in very vivid terms. And Mancow is certainly an extremely rational guy. You know, I've, I've heard so many people, so many of my friends have had these encounters, and and usually. Uh, these up close and personal encounters that I'm that I that I hear about are very visceral. It's like it's like, you know, the same kind of feeling that you would get uh, in the presence of a massive grizzly bear or something. You would smell it. You would hear it breathing. You would be able to describe certain features. They're they're not furry. You know, I mean, they're not uh, just uh, these these blurry creatures that are indistinguishable and undescribable they're they're very very much alive and again um people describe them in very visceral ways and so that tells me that there is unquestionably a physical a very real and physical aspect to these creatures but is there some kind of a technological aspect as well that's really the question yeah it is a question, and I also wonder, and I, I, I love reading any kind of thread that starts on this, this aspect, too, but people wondering if there is a psychic aspect to it all, too. I wonder, often, is, um, is, is collective consciousness at all playing a part in how these things manifest? Because it, if we get away from the, the hominids for a second, you think about the winged creatures like Mothman that have reportedly shown up during times of catastrophe as harbingers of doom or during times of war and strife when negative energies are peaked on the planet. I always thought that that was very interesting and what kind of psychic links maybe for those. Well, you, one of the commonalities that you often discover when, uh, when talking about cryptids, now we're talking about humanoid cryptids, not like the Loch Ness monster or something, is this telepathic element there seems to be in almost all cases a a a if there is any communication at all it is in most cases a telepathic communication or a very powerful or very very strong empathic communication uh as we have as i've talked about uh, i'm sure a handful of times on your show the, the gray aliens are unquestionably telepathic i would also say that the elder race these angelic beings are also able to communicate and primarily communicate telepathically and it would not surprise me if the in so much as the bigfoot creature exists that it also would have a these telepathic capabilities because i believe that the human species is inherently telepathic that that we used to be able to communicate uh telepathically but that our radios are broken so to speak we can receive the transmissions but we can't broadcast them anymore or at least we can't um, we can't tune the frequencies anymore to really make sense of what's going on, whether we're broadcasting our thoughts or not. Um, and, it, and at this stage in, in, in human history, it probably would be disastrous if all of a sudden <laughs> our radios were repaired and we could all start communicating telepathically. It would oh, be boy. chaos. Oh, geez. Oh, geez. <laughs> that, would be, that would be a real mess. Oh, man. Yeah, because, you know, because, because most of us are not accustomed to uh, controlling our thoughts in 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 company, right? We 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 are having as we're having a conversation with other people, we're we're simultaneously having a conversation with ourselves, and our, the conversation that we're having with ourselves is a much more honest conversation than we're having with the other people around us. Yeah, 
You know, you know, Matt. You know, uh, my buddy Matt is here again. Uh, Timothy, he loves when you come in. Uh, you know, Matt. I think the one person who would do very well in a telepathic society is George Washington. I think that his mind would be clean and focused and absolutely silent until everybody's done speaking. You wouldn't get anything out of him. I think he'd be great. Um, us, on the other hand, we are just messy, messy, messy generation. Hey, uh, Tim, uh, w- w- let me ask you something. What about zombies? Um, I, not cryptids, of course, but a few weeks ago, I covered this certain kind of fungus that will uh, that will mm. infect organisms, rot them away to almost nothing, but still maintain uh, almost like a, a manual override over their physical bodies where you'll have a... Uh, a beetle that is walking around, it is obviously dead, a cicada that is obviously dead, and um, it it maintains control of their physical bodies. You spend a lot of time, especially around indigenous people, and I know just from my own friends who've come from the Caribbean and all that, uh, they still have serious stories of the undead, how they've survived, uh, you know, voodoo, all all that stuff. What have you you, uh, gathered along your travels about zombies? Well, you raise an interesting point with these, uh, I want to call them cortisols, with these, with these, these, these fungi. Yeah. That that infect the brains of various kinds of creatures, and it's various kinds of fungi it's not just one particular kind. There's several of them, and they and they affect different animals. They're sort of engineered to uh, to hijack the brains of different organisms, and it is one of the most fascinating things in nature. I think we've all seen the the ants that get in. It's I think they get infected with the spore from the fungi yep. from the fungus, and and then the it takes over their um, it it takes over their sensory systems. It takes over. Uh, their brains and it causes them to do things that are completely um, antithetical to their nature like an ant uh, separating from the rest of the colony going off on its own climbing up it, it, it when it's inf- infected with these spores it will climb up onto a high place uh, on a leaf or a branch or something and then it will affix itself there and and the the the, the fungus will grow out of it. It will just literally s- just bust out of its exoskeleton. And that happens with uh, caterpillars, different kinds of caterpillars. It happens with, as you said, beetles. Um, that is, I think, in every sense of the word, that that's a zombie insect. Can that happen to human beings? I don't see why it couldn't happen to human beings. And, and, and maybe somebody in China uh, or maybe in a lab in Boston <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, is is working on perfecting a biological weapon that 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 literally zombifies what, what how would you say that zombi zombifies zombifies um uh turns people into zombies using the same kind of um using the same kind of uh um control of the of the brain and of the of of those motor skills and 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 those similar functions as in the insects and so I would say that because it exists in nature and we know it exists in nature in various forms, it, it very probably could happen in human beings. Now, it might have to be engineered. It, it, there may be nothing in nature that can can do that to a human being. Hopefully, there's nothing in nature that can do that to a human being. As far as I know, it doesn't happen to animals or mammals. It only happens to insects. But 
if if you know i mean if we can if we can take a virus in a lab and 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 play the kind of games that we've been playing over the last few years who's to say that we can't do the same thing with fungus yeah well what i've heard and what i've seen coming out of west point and other places over the last couple of years is that we've we've already achieved all of that and more with nanotechnology and um that, I mean, it's. I guess that'll be the equivalent of the fungus, but um, nanotech. These tiny little robots. I mean, we. It's. I, I should send you some of that stuff because it's right up your alley. Um, all on the record. It's. It's frightening, but uh, since you are so um, adamant and so, uh, uh, I would say, accomplished in really <clears throat> showing the trajectory that we're on with artificial intelligence and the new the new coming phases of humanity and, and our augmentation i think it would be i'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on it i'll find that for you you know let me uh, what what's the scaredest you've ever been in the field i mean i have to imagine you've been to some parts of the world under certain circumstances that really have to make your hair stand up on end what what's the most uncomfortable you've been in the field being embedded deeply in the Amazon alone at nighttime is pretty scary. Um, I've spent multiple nights just sleeping on the ground in the Amazon and uh, I would sleep, I had a knife, um, K-bar knife actually, and I would sleep with it on my chest like this um, so that, you know, thinking about getting, getting coiled up in a boa constrictor an anaconda or something um and then you also have uh, in the amazon it's not uncommon for people to be killed by jaguars at nighttime mm. um you know to get the the the, the death bite the, to the neck when you're sleeping and so they always tell you out there not to sleep on the floor although jaguars are perfectly capable of, of climbing trees as well so being deep in the Amazon in those kind of circumstances is, is can be pretty terrifying. Um, even, you know, even to the native people that live out there. Uh, so I would say that probably has been the most hair raising experience in terms of locations and situation um, in, in nature, certainly. And by the way, they have, it's interesting because on, on every continent, there's a different Bigfoot type creature that the the locals talk about we all know about the abominable snowman mm -hmm. over in the himalayas well in the amazon they have a bigfoot creature and they they describe him in almost the exact same uh, in almost the exact same way except it's smaller it's it's not the the eight nine foot tall creature ten foot tall creature that we talk about in in america the north american bigfoot we might call it this is a smaller version of that and it's it's about five and a half foot tall, six foot tall, so it's like the size of a man, but it's very much a an apish creature um, described again with the same kind of details as the Bigfoot. So, um, and it's also supposed to be you know very intelligent and to be able to communicate with you. And and I, I heard lots of stories about that. And and. and those stories were very unique. They were different from a lot of the other stories I heard in the Amazon, um, which revolved around, a lot of other stories revolved around uh, curanderos, around witchcraft, witch doctors. Mm. Almost always, almost every case when you hear about some kind, like dolphins turning into women, women turning into dolphins, 
um, and everything in all their stories, almost everything wants to seduce you for some reason in the Amazon. So they're, they're they have a story about these women. I can't remember what they, yeah, they call them sirens actually. And, uh, and that these women are very sexually seductive and they seduce you to go, you know, by the, by the bank of the river. And then suddenly they turn into a dolphin and grab you and pull you under and, and drown you. Right. That's that's like how all these stories are. And there are dozens and dozens and dozens of those kind of stories in the Amazon. And and uh, I love those. But, I really do love those stories. And, you know, you were I'm glad you brought that up there, too, because I, I that's something I forgot to even ask you about. Why cryptids, why these legends are are normally so custom uh, customized to regions like they um, I, I mentioned Mothman before. That's mainly a West Virginia type thing. Um, oh, uh, New York, we have so like uh, uh, Bigfoot. We have we white, have the white, white white hole New York the Bigfoot white, like the whole a whole street saw Bigfoot right but there's 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 skunk ape there in that's Florida. in like Florida there skunk is skunk ape yeah yeah there's the, the <laughs> Chupac, New Jersey Devil the, the Jersey Devil that's yeah. in the the Pine Barrens. Right. Um, there's chupacabra. The chupacabra, so it's like it's all very regional. That's why I was wondering if that was another, uh, maybe another branch yeah. off of the, the the psychic question. Because are I wanted to know are they product of the folklore itself, almost like tulpa like manifestations? Maybe they're, they're folklorish, and obviously these. When you are telling kids about um, chupacabra, for example, if you're living, let's say, New Mexico or on the on the mexico american border and you're and you're telling your kids since they're little about the chupacabra and it's going to come and get you and not and not and, and back then that they they really believed in these things it wasn't like us telling kids about the tooth fairy or santa claus it was they really believed these things were out there and so if you're going to tell your kids about these creatures and and you're you're instilling in them these images um then I think you are going to get into situations where they're seeing things and uh, maybe they're not getting a good view of an animal. They just see something in the distance and then their minds begin to, because of these stories, begin to confabulate details that aren't really there mm. based on the uh, these fictional narratives that they've grown up with. That certainly is a known phenomenon and human beings do it all the time all the time and that happens a lot and that's why that's why i make the distinction between pe people who talk to me about bigfoot who i consider to be credible witnesses people who've spent their whole lives in the wilderness and aren't thinking about a bigfoot aren't thinking about a chupacabra when they're you know when they're bow hunting for elk for mm. example um or or when or or even more specifically when they're hunting for bear when they're hunting for black bear in the mountains you know um they're looking for bear they're not looking for bigfoot they know what a bear looks like and in fact they have to know you know um the minute differences between the black bear and the grizzly bear at great distances because you can't shoot a grizzly bear it's a federal offense so you have to be very careful so these mm. guys you know are are so you you definitely have a lot of uh, fantasy and confabulation happening all over the country, um, especially, dare I say, in areas of lower uh, education, you know, where the IQ isn't, actually, isn't very high. Um, people uh, tend to gravitate to supernatural explanations rather than rational ones. So a rational person will, the first things that will come to a rational person's mind are the rational explanations for what they're looking at insofar as they can formulate rational explanations because what they're looking at like in the case of man cow if it's like a freaking uh big uh, eight foot tall ape 
standing right in front of you, you there's no way to rationalize uh, that any other way than it's a big freaking ape. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, seeing things at a distance, seeing things behind bushes, seeing things at night, um, if you're already inculcated with these with these fantasy stories, then certainly you are going to see um, and and confabulate based on the fantasies that you grew up with, and that that would be regional. That would be regional. It's the same in the jungle. You go to different parts of the jungle. You go to different parts of the world, and you have the, the little creatures. The in Peru, for example, the duendes, the little dwarfs, and and all these other things and and um you know it's I, I i don't often i don't think i've ever run into any person that i would consider to be really rational that's told me about dwarves or elves hmm. uh, in fact in fact anything other than bigfoot well, you know, speaking of fantasy and confabulation, I, I got to be honest with you about something, uh, Timothy. Earlier in 2021, we, the first the first time that we had cryptids mentioned on a show where you were on in 2020, it was early in 2021. It came up in passing cryptids. Um, <coughs> my buddy asked you about if you ever heard about legends of races of cat people that's human human feline hybrids and you didn't really address the question head on and since then uh, since then the audience has had a growing suspicion that you're hiding something or more specifically Timmy that you yourself may be a cat I just wanted the legend to grow <laughs> I just wanted to I wanted to see how far that this thing could you know to see if we could actually materialize a new kind of cryptid uh, a cat person um no, I actually, uh, it, it, I didn't know until later that the reference to the cat was made. I'm actually not a cat person. I prefer <laughs> more exotic animals. Um, but uh, it's, yeah, okay. I, I, I've been aware of the running joke. I, I don't know if it's, I don't know, if it, you know, it's the internet, so I don't know if it's going to help you at this point, but I, I had uh, to bring it up in good... <laughs> let's let the cat person live. Let's let's get some memes going. I mean, I saw him looking up to the left a lot during this interview, so it must have been a fly or something. <laughs> now, is this a regional creature? I don't know. I don't... No, because the internet it's non-regional. So, it, it, but it's 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 spread far and wide. It's an international. Well, if, it's, if it has, if it's me, then it's regional in Montana. Right. Okay. Well, then at least the cat is out of is, the bag. Is there some way that is there some way that I can monetize this? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'll tell you. I don't know. Maybe maybe if you if you promise some you know some uh, uh, have a good inscriptions on the next time that people buy a book. I don't know. Cat inscription. Who knows? But well, you know, speaking of that. Speaking of that, because I, I already told you I'd love to get something on, on the schedule for later on in November with you. Um, do you want to preview a little bit of the work you have just prepared that can let everybody know what we would be talking about uh, the next time you come on? Yeah, this uh, weekend I'm releasing the next installment in my Birthright Lecture series on YouTube. And I haven't done one in eight months because I've been otherwise engaged in other projects. But this one is, I'm going to be talking about I'm talking about and I'm currently editing it. I'm I'm discussing, um, I'm discussing in part the Younger Dryas impact hypothesis. Mm. You've probably heard of that. Yes, the, the hypothesis of the of the of the comet impact twelve thousand eight hundred years ago, and I talk about Atlantis and I talk about um, the Indian epics. Um, I talk about. Uh, what I call the empire of the gods in the golden age, the antediluvian world, what it might have looked like. And I 
postulate that it probably looked something like um, the movie um, Stargate. I don't know if you remember the movie Stargate uh, yeah. yep. back in 1994. Um, and uh, so it, I have a very different view of the antediluvian world. I discuss the idea of an advanced civilization in the antediluvian world, and I believe that there was an advanced civilization. I believe that there was exotic technology. Um, I don't believe there was an internet. I don't believe there were skyscrapers. I don't believe there were combustion engines. I don't believe there were jets back then or laptops or Lamborghinis. Um, I think it was a completely different uh, different kind of technology and um, and I think that you know we have we have the proof in the megaliths which are a global phenomenon which appear to be uh, to have been constructed with the same technology by the same civilization and I'm not talking about Stonehenge and I'm not talking about uh, some of these other lesser megalithic constructions I'm talking about the big ones some of the ones in China the massive massive megaliths uh, in uh, Russia and in Peru and different parts of the earth that clearly were constructed um, using some kind of uh, unknown technological capabilities. I mean, um, there's certainly uh, methods which we've, we've, we've lost over time. Mm. I, I would love to see uh, you, because I know you do sit-downs and, and, of course, there's the seminars and you do interviews as well. I would love to see a conversation between you and Graham Hancock or something like that. Um, well, that, that Graham Hancock is brilliant, and I've enjoyed, uh, I've read a couple of his books, and, uh, and uh, as is Randall Carlson and some of the other guys that are out there talking about the, and, and certainly the scientists that have formulated the uh, the Younger Dryas Impact Hypothesis. A brilliant team of scientists, and I think that their data is becoming more conclusive by the day. Um, obviously, the notion of a great cataclysm that destroyed an advanced civilization is a very, very old one, very old. And, um, and I've certainly subscribed to it for a very long time, and I think there's ample proof that that, in fact, is the case. And, but I would do something... I don't know if Graham would do this, but I, I would draw a direct correlation between the Younger Dryas Impact Hypothesis and the great flood myths, the biblical myth, Sumerian myth, and the others. Um, and and I, I see it as a singular event rather than multiple events. I see, I see it as a singular civilization-ending event um, from which only a handful of survivors made it to the other side. And and I think that explains a lot of what we see in deep antiquity, what we see in prehistory, and and frankly, what we don't see, records. Wow, that, this is going to be a great talk. I can't wait for it. Uh, TimothyAlberino.com. I hope everybody goes out and continues to buy your books. That's another thing we have to do. we got to do some book club action with Birthright. That'll be in the future. But for now, Timothy, thank you for the time once again. You're always a fantastic sport and a, and a great wealth of knowledge. I just love uh, peppering you with questions, and uh, everybody else loves listening. So thank you for everything, and I hope you and your family have a great weekend. Well, thank you, and uh, it's always a pleasure to be with you guys. All right. Be well, man. Have a good one. You too. There you go, ladies and gents. That's it. A lot of good work has been done tonight. Every, everyone saw that giant litter box he had in the corner. He tried to cover the top of it. Everyone I, I, saw that, right? I, he he seemed a little flustered. <laughs> he probably didn't think that he would have to 
have the answers to that uh, tonight. But I, I told you I would bring it up. It, this could not wait any longer. It's already been brewing for nearly a year. Okay, we're going to be right back. We're going to a quick intermission. We come back. We'll do some... <coughs> you got a little bit of a tickle here. Babylon B calls. Matt's here. It, we still got some good time to, to chill out. And remember, later on tonight, the network goes live at 9 o'clock, but probably around maybe 10.30 or so, we're going to be doing some gaming. Me uh, and some of the other guys, we are going to uh, get together, start a PlayStation party, and stream our group playing of Friday the 13th. I, just to see how it works out, where, how we can build up the, this content, because it'll be good late fall and winter stuff that we can do especially on weekends where it's snowy and cold and everybody there's nobody wants to go out so at least we can make some live content it'll be a lot of fun especially funny to see all my uh, friends get ripped apart by jason tonight so we'll do that and we'll be right back after this intermission don't go anywhere Welcome to Intermission. We'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Quite frankly. 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 Quite Quite frankly, in Roma Italia. I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? Just having a song and a dance over here. We sing, we sing the same songs for those. Uh, we have our own lyrics. We make up our own lyrics, and it's usually a couple of the same lines over and over again, but different. Yes. Anyway, oh, I just want to respond, re re uh, remind everybody. Then when we do this little uh, live gaming thing tonight, and you'll, we'll, uh, we should have all of our. I'll have a webcam going 
I think. And um, but we'll also have our our microphones, so you'll hear the, the the banter and all that stuff. That'll be on Twitch. That's where I, I actually stream to. And then <clears throat> the guys at the network will take a screen screen grab of that and bring it over to Quite Frankly TV. So Twitch and, and Quite Frankly TV. That's where you can. So I know all the uh, the Twitch people are probably really excited. They are a class unto themselves, right, Twitchers? Maybe I'll get to use PS4 so I can kill myself on Red Dead. Dude, you gotta get. I told you, get a used PS4. That was fun. Do it. It's the best. Taking we can that 15 minute. Got a bubble in my throat. You hear it? Yeah. Taking that 15 minute ride to that bridge just to fucking throw yourself off of it. It's a beautiful ride too. It's a beautiful ride. You you get on your horse on in Red Dead. And, uh, and and you just see all these wonderful sunsets and all that stuff. You're mm. in these rolling hills and beautiful things that you're seeing. Mm. And you're traveling all that way and you find this gigantic train bridge. It's like, ah, oh, this is nice. And then you just jump off with your horse. Yeah, I would jump off with Horsler. Oh, oh that's my horse's that was, name. That's was right. Horsler. That's right. Your horse. <laughs> I forgot your horse's name. Horsler. Horsler. My horse's name was Chalky. Horsler. Big Al would be really happy with you. Bill, he, Big, Big Al would like he that. He suggested it. I told him about the game. <clears throat> He's probably playing it right now. Oh, man. Okay. Well, that's what you have. Uh, let's see, go into Super Chats, and then we're going to get into other things. We'll take some calls and see what everybody's feeling. It's the end of the week. Problematic Will says, Tim is my favorite guest. I'm in for I'm in for the book club. The zombies are coming during the tribulation when people get to uh, get the 666 biochip implanted in their brains, connecting to the hive mind, AI nanobots. People will seek death but not find it. Revelations 9-6. <clears throat> Claire Bear says, "I saw seven UFOs through the uh, uh, mono- uh, what is it through the monocular last night at around 10:30 p.m. Central, Hill Country, Texas. Seven. What were they doing? Were they were they swarming? Were they in formation? That's interesting. Joe Carlucci." Says, Frank, this is ex- uh, exclusively to buy Aurora a few chicken nuggets. Okay, well, I- I'll tell Lauren. We have to go out and uh, we have to we have to find a... Or, or maybe Lauren can just make them. Lauren made some really good chicken strips uh, this past week. So maybe we can fashion them into some nuggets. Thankfully, Aurora's been eating them a little bit more now. And she loves tuna fish. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. But not, but not, not the albacore stuff. The um, the other, I forget what the other one is called. Yellowfin. Skip, skip something. Skip, skip pole. Skip whistle. I don't know. It's called. Hold on. Wait. 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 Tuna. Whistle. Oh wait. Wait. Tuna. Let's see. Hold on. Skipjack. Skipjack tuna. Never heard of it. Yeah, um, but it's supposedly the uh, the kind of tuna that kids like <clears throat> that has the lowest amount of mercury, 
and that somebody, uh, a, a child of, uh, about Aurora's age, can have about two to three ounces of it a week without it really being uh, anything to even worry about. Uh, as, a, as, a, as opposed to, like, chicken of the sea and albacore and all that stuff, it's a lot higher in mercury. I love tuna. I, yeah. eat, I eat a lot of it. Um, don't give a shit about mercury. Yeah. It flushes out of your system. Yeah, everything flushes out. Yeah, it does. It's true. Uh, Claire Bear, again, says, Quinn said we need to start a country, uh, a country called Anti-War Stan. Yeah, you're right. That would be great. Anti-war stand. Stickman Mike says, Frank, I don't think you properly introduced Matthew. Did I? Oh, because I think you just started talking. What? <clears throat> Matt's here tonight, everybody. There he is. Hello. Hello. Oh, Matt, you want to know who uh, really enjoyed the 76 uh, house? 76 uh, restaurant? Uh, uh, Timothy Gordon and his entire family. Oh. Did he enjoy the ale? He enjoyed the ale. He had Washington's ale. He also got the, the venison. He got the tour. I don't know if he had. I don't know if he had the venison, but he got the tour and from the said owner. He was sent by, quite frankly. I don't know. He met my friend, Mister Norton, Ralph Norton, I, I direct descendant of uh, Isaac Davis. It was that him. He's a direct descendant of Isaac Davis. Yeah, he <laughs> has the thing on the wall. He's the son of the Revolution. Isaac Davis was. He was killed. Well, maybe that's him then. I don't know though. Um, Stickman Mike says, "I don't think you introduced Matthew. I didn't hear him say hello, Francis. Looking forward to the show with Timothy Alberino. Well, I hope that you enjoyed it, Mike." And uh, Crestmont Bear says, "Read off stream, or read off stream." Okay, so I can't read this on stream. Um, <clears throat> I guess. Just email me then. I can't just sit here reading this quietly. There's another read-off stream note here. I can't do this to people. They're listening. Pinch of Grace <laughs> says, Stopping by to toss some money in the tip jar for the best show out there. If Matt stops by tonight, can you please ask him if he has any tips to quit smoking? Love and blessings, Brooke. Oh, well, I mean, I just started using this. Well, first, I realized, like... When you're addicted to smoking, it's because you have to uh, go do this and you need to have a cigarette when you have to do it. You have to do this and you need to have a cigarette when you have to do it. Just don't have a cigarette when you have to do that thing in a little bit of time. So I mean, you I quit like I quit and uh, I think I broke. I bought like a pack three days later. I smoked half of it and then like that was it. And then now I. I've, I've had cigarettes since then like I asked for one cigarette I have it just to see I don't like the taste of it and I don't want it anymore so <clears throat> that that thing you have the little this, yeah, the it's jewels just, it's nicotine so I mean I'm not smoking the tobacco or whatever but I'm still smoking Are, nicotine. I know that I know that Mike got off I mean, of the, he got off of this the um, the cigarettes but he still has nicotine in yeah. his in his vaporizer. Are, do you have any plans of starting to wean on down with the... Uh... Yeah, probably, eventually. <clears throat> but, I mean, yeah, within a few weeks, like, I, was, I wasn't wheezing at night, going to sleep, and... Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Uh, Chef Jay says, Hi, Frank. Great last night with uh, Kathy. She's a fantastic guest who brings such positive energy to the show. Yes, Kathy O'Brien was fantastic last night, as was uh, Roseanne the night before with Kathy 
for a little while there and it's, it's so cool to see that people are picking up on that conversation we had with Roseanne because it's not on YouTube so it's great to see it getting around I'm happy about that um, makes you feel not as invisible because I just sometimes there's no real good metric to know uh, if if any you know how far something is getting because we're all just so uh, isolated um, I, I, Matt, did you bring any tips on how to survive uh, being trapped in a time travel uh, experiment? I didn't have. I got out of work late. I, I didn't. Have but but did you did you write something about the time travel thing that I sent you? Oh, with? the time travel. Yeah, <laughs> I do have that one. Not. I forgot it though. It, I don't have it with me. I have something here tonight. It is a six. No, it's a seven-step guide as to how to escape. After being buried alive in a yeah, coffin. Yeah, you asked for that. That I didn't have enough time. I got to work so late. I had to take a shower. Don't worry. Don't worry. Tonight, we will tell you how to escape being buried alive in a coffin. We'll wait a little while for that. Um, first, we're going to go to Rockfin. Say hello to everybody there. Everybody's doing well. Going over to Rumble. Everybody is doing well here, too. And then uh, over to Pilled. Let's go to Foxhole on Quite Frankly Not TV. Sean Joe. Thank you, Sean Joe. Thank you, Khaleesi. Khaleesi's back. Uh, Boys Blanc. Just Josie. Witchy Poos. It's great show tonight, as always. And Athena, four, 540. Good stuff. Uh, starting next week, I got I to gotta figure out how we're going to be doing it, especially with certain guests coming on, like Rich Barris. Um, but I, I think we're going to do a lot more jump-offs of YouTube again. Because it was really great to be able to play some new music. And and it was good to see more people going to the Rumble. More people going to the Pilled. And having good times there. Twitch. Everything gets a bump. And, and people are freer. So I, I want to just uh, find some nice ways. Maybe splitting it down the middle. Intermission instead of the first 15 minutes. So um, we'll see how it works out. But we, we have to continue to make strides toward a new, a new future. All right. 8.31. We're taking a quick break. When we come back, we're going to Babylon B headlines, taking some calls, and then telling you how to escape a coffin if you are ever buried alive. Very, in, in, You need to know this stuff, and that's what we will do. So don't go anywhere.
Okay, I love those deleted scenes from Halloween. <clears throat> Lauren texted me. Lauren's very, she, she's laughing. She says, great response, Timothy. So she's talking about Timothy Alberino's response. So you know the funniest thing, you know the funniest thing about this is? He knows all about the cat person thing. He's known. And he didn't want anyone to bring it up because it's, he's a cat. I'm not. See, that's the thing. He, uh, your denials are di- are burying you deeper and deeper. I'm just I, I'm not not necessarily for me, but I'm just telling you what the audience is is picking up on. Anthony's hanging out over there. <clears throat> How are you doing, Aunt? Anthony says, "What's going on? Nothing. Just talking about cryptids and angels and." about to talk about being buried in a coffin I could you could have just we could have just got a wooden coffin and you could have buried me not like eight feet but like four like in you know we could have seen me escape from it we could have put like a uh, you know I thought it was six feet it's eight isn't it I don't know I think I thought it was six feet. I thought that was the standard, but I guess well, you can I go a couple. Go eight. Extra. You want to go eight? No, I don't. I don't even want to be buried. No, I don't. I want to be burned out in the water. Yeah. No. Yeah. Get burned. <laughs> See, I, I remember. I remember that. Yes, I remember. You want the Viking funeral, but you you do know, like I said, burned out in the water. Well, he want he want what he wants is he want yeah you're on. Um, what he wants is he wants to be put onto a boat and have the boat set aflame and cast out to the water and you know and 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 go down that way like a viking funeral but what he doesn't understand is practically it takes two and a half hours for a for a body to be properly cremated into a pile of ash Mm. if we put him into a rowboat and just light a fire on top of him eventually the boat would sink and he would just be a charred Half, <laughs> half. He would just be floating on the water, half charred, uh, just on I'm, a surface burn. I'm sure there's other stuff you have to do. I mean, maybe you rub the body with some with yeah. stuff. Maybe you like pour something down the throat. That, yeah, that'll help him burn. Well, if it's not that, then you have to drag me somewhere up in the Adirondacks and just leave me in the woods against the tree. Again, yeah. You think about think about the the to do list you're giving your friends. You you think about how how horrible this gets. It gets worse and worse. So first all of right, all, then whenever I'm about to die, I'll just go up to the Adirondacks myself. I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll just sit and wait. <laughs> <laughs> now, just think about that because you first first you die on us. Secondly, now we have the responsibility of either 
getting you prepared for a boat funeral in which we now need to pump gasoline into your stomach. <laughs> okay, so this is yeah. Hey, or we have to bring you up to the Adirondacks and situate you up against a tree in somebody's yard. Probably, I don't know. No, what it, not in the yard. Up like in somewhere on you know. I, we'd have to find property that is that we can go on. Yeah, in the state park in the mountains. Okay. So this just leave me there, and so animal will probably fucking eat me anyway. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> what animals do you think will eat you? Up there, um, coyotes. Yeah, yeah. They, I know they have a lot of coyotes there, but I'm sure you know there's an occasional. I don't know, to be honest with you. I think everything's been hunted out of there. I'm sure there's occasional bear, maybe mountain lion. Well, hey, you know, you do what you got to do. Oh, wait, there's Matt. Where the hell's Matt? Um, wait, take that hookah off. Good. Bring the head down here. Nice. You see, this is some production that nobody should have to look at. Uh, corner. Boom. <clears throat> all right, now we're all three of us are up here. All right, let's go to the Babylon Bee, shall we? <clears throat> here we... Here we go. First one up, Babylon Bee. Let me make sure we have the only the freshest... Only the freshest. The CDC announces new initiative to promote homeschooling. And that, of course, is they unanimously voted yesterday to add the COVID shots to the recommended childhood schedule for shots. So pretty much uh, it's just going people are going to more and more are going to take their kids out of school. And good. Good. Because they're psychopaths. Did they do that with the regular flu shot? I don't think so. No. No, I don't, I, I don't think it does. Um, let's see. John MacArthur protests prosperity gospel by gluing self to Joel Olstein's pulpit. I don't know. I don't get this. Uh, Mehmet Oz, Dr. Oz, now running neck and neck and neck <laughs> with John Fetterman. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Stacey Abrams headline. Stacey Abrams spotted at the grocery store, reminding parents this would all be cheaper if they aborted their kids. <laughs> it's exactly what I've been saying. Oh, says, you wouldn't be cutting coupons if this kid weren't here. Think of the savings. I can't stand her. She's just a, a, a dumb mound of flesh. I, I hope they all... Well, I know she she's already nothing, but I hope they all fucking leave this November AOC. Leave? Them. You know what I mean. Well, yeah, well, yeah. Go back to where they came from. That'd be great. Here's a headline. Feminists rejoice as all-time record for shortest term as prime minister now held by a woman. Liz Truss. You hear that? Yeah. 44 days. Why? Already. Why did she? I mean, mean, you're talking about um, significant economic downturn out there. I don't know what else is going on. I'm not, uh, I don't really keep up with the news too much in the UK, but... Uh, it is bad enough where she has barely been there a month and a half. She should have appointed Nigel. Somebody said that that uh, that mop-headed freak Boris Johnson is is coming back onto the scene, but whatever. Here's another headline: Man stands in awe of God's wisdom upon reading in Leviticus that you are to stay away from women on their periods for seven days. <laughs> Yeah, well, does, does the Leviticus actually say that? Because I wouldn't be surprised, and it's actually really good. Uh, it could be, it, depending on the the woman, it could be really good um, advice. 
uh, headline. Experts decry shocking lack of diversity on Kenyan marathon team. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully, hopefully they get to they get to they get to work on that, just like they're getting to work on the NHL. What do you think about that, Matt? What exactly do they want to do now? They what are they saying? They're gonna force what them to recruit players? They, or would or front office. They find that they find that it, it that it, that the um, the organization, the entire organization. Is overwhelmingly white, which is uh, which is oh. racist. It, it's the only racist thing you can say comfortably in this country. Um, that is overwhelmingly white, and whereas thirty-eight percent of their workforce is women, which is a good start, they need to figure out a way to make sure that uh, white men are are at least a a, a very a very small mind, uh, majority. What percentage of the NBA is black? That's what people have been saying, and it's it's all it's all well and good. It is good, yeah, like it's clean logic, it, but they don't care. Black people are good at basketball, because you know that's there's basketball courts in the inner cities where black people live. There's nothing wrong to say that, and hockey rinks and stuff like that. They're you know it's usually it, it, not in inner cities. It's. It's a matter of it's a matter of interest. Well, that too, yeah. And a lot too. of it, a lot of it, when it comes to hockey, is cultural. You're talking about a sport that was born on the ice. I mean, this is this is a, a very much a cultural thing. It is black players are not barred from entry if they're good enough to get in there, yeah. and some of them have. There's been some great black players. The Rangers have one right now. He's their enforcer, bro. You don't fuck. Oh, I can't even think of his name. But well, tell that to the real team USA. <laughs> team USA is going down. The real team USA. Um, uh, Keenan's uh, Keenan's brother and friends. That's right. And you, Mighty Ducks. Yeah, you know, and and they say, what is it? Uh, so, pretty much the NHL, they say eighty three percent seventy eighty three percent white or something like that. Well, what do I have to say about that? You know what word comes to mind when you think about? <laughs> hmm? <laughs> Pathetic. <laughs> you know what I love about that? You know what I love about that scene? What? That they didn't show him actually say pathetic. I know. I, I wish I could have seen it. <laughs> I wish I could have actually. I wish there's a yeah bonus feature. Oh, you can <laughs> see that. That's what they put like the extra scene. Pathetic. You know what word comes to mind? When you think of that. <laughs> hmm? Pathetic. You know I use that a lot actually. I, I mean I use that setup. Sometimes I'll, t- I'll be talking to you know like if I if I think something's pathetic, I say you know a word comes to mind. I always say I, I say it all the time. That's why that's why I have it. You know when I <clears throat> when I added it to my sound <laughs> to my sound bites over here, it was a it was an article that I was covering, maybe about, I don't know maybe a year two years maybe three years ago, and the article was it, it had I grabbed these kind of headlines because I know that they're going to do well, and it was so, saying something about how uh, the the average penis length. Of <laughs> the average penis length of the United States was like five and a half inches or what? four and a half inches. I don't know what it was. No way. It, it was. It was. Th- that is actually. That's th- tiny. That, that, is tiny. The, that that's what the average is. So. It, so uh, I I I said okay. You know what I need for the I need the Gordon Bombay <laughs> line because you know because he's talking about the the score. He goes like eleven to one, ten to one, ten to one. 
You know what comes to mind when you think of that? So I, so I started thinking, okay, five and a half inches. Five and a half inches. Five you know what and word comes to mind when you think of that? Hmm? Pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> like it's their fault. It's their fault he has a pathetic dick. <laughs> you couldn't grow bigger than five and a half inches? Pathetic. Come on, America. Start growing. I don't know. Yeah, so. I would have thought that would have been like China, four and a half, five. China is smaller. Dude, chi China, smaller. China, China is three. How do they yeah. even? I don't know how they procreate. Well, they, well, no, no, well, how do they know? They they, they measure. No, I know that. They, yeah, go, no, they go by once a year. You didn't get measured this year. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get measured. They go by. They go door by door. <laughs> it was part of the census last year. You remember? <laughs> twenty twenty. They came around. <laughs> how many males? Well, how big are their dicks? <laughs> <laughs> how many males have in there? Well, how old are they? Oh, one's under eighteen. So we've got to measure his dick. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, hold on. Let me let me see. Average, average in China. I want. I, I this. It's it's not good. <laughs> it's not looking good. I'm sorry, China. It's not looking good. Um, the yeah, Chinese man. Uh, where the hell? <laughs> Look at the. <laughs> okay, penis size by who's who's this? World Population Review. They actually have a penis size by country. Yeah, well, look, hey, you know, America, we've had a lot of immigration here, so, you know, um, well, recently that, you know, probably there weren't, you know. Five, yeah, so United States is, I think, 5.35. That is pretty weak. Um, 5.3 inches? That's, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty weak. That's pathetic. It yeah. is. Uh, it, <laughs> I would be embarrassed to show no. it to Brazil. Brazil no. is, uh, oh. Brazil is six. Oh, of course. Argentina is a five point eight. Well, let's go to China. Ch Get the hell out of here. They're bigger because. Oh, wait, am I looking at inches? What the hell is this? No. Maybe way. it's centimeters. No way. Five point one five. No. 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 I well, we were when I was reading, it was incredibly bad. Incredibly bad. Cambodia is three point nine. That's bad. <laughs> I don't know. That's bad. I, I, I don't trust these metrics here. Yeah, no. I don't. According to this, Ecuador is uh, is the most well endowed country on Earth. Six point nine. Ecuador. Ecuador. But they're all short over there, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I don't, I don't know. Isn't Ecuadorians like they're well naturally like a lot of them? Are, that's like the, one of the traits. Very short. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess. But I what, what does that mean? I guess that doesn't. I guess that doesn't mean that. Their penises are small. I don't know, but I just think it would be funny if, if dude was like seven feet tall and had like a three or four inch penis. Like, you know, once you like, think it would be proportionate, right? Like, uh, like in that that movie, Bedazzled with. Uh, oh yeah, when he Brendan Fraser Brendan when Fraser, he had the small little baby he dick. Big, he was the big uh, yeah. ba basketball player and. and the devil made him like you know tall, but he gave him a small. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know that's a pretty good movie as far as accentuating how the devil's in the details. Because mm -hmm. you get one thing, or, or you know, I, I I guess the the ultimate the ultimate story, and it would be something to revisit this time of year anyway, would be the monkey's paw. Oh, I hate that story. That's a that's a. I fucking hate that, that story. story. Is messed up. That has always made me uncomfortable. All retellings of it. Yeah. Every time it was made for television, it's it's messed up. The monkey's paw. Yeah, I think my brother used to tell me that the curse of the monkey's paw. 
Yeah, well, you get yeah. the three wishes. Yeah. And uh, well, what were the three the three situations? The number one was the parents they wished for money. Right. Then they realized that the money was coming to them in the form of a settlement because their son got mangled at the factory. Right. Okay. Then they wished for their son to come back. And for their son to come back, it was just that he was coming back to life as he was right now. So right. he was undead and he was zombified and he was mangled. And then as the, I, as the final as the final curse to this entire thing, they had to wish him they had to wish him dead again. That was the three wishes they had, the monkey's yeah, paw, monkey's yeah. paw. Talk about the devil being in the details. That is a horrific story. And it always creeped me out. Um, Definitely. Yes, indeed. Uh, let's see here. Let's see. Uh, okay, so we have a couple of minutes left. Not enough minutes for any... Um, <laughs> not enough minutes for any calls, unfortunately. I just saw one last headline over here. Apple. Apple releases new AirPods that come with one already lost for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. It's true. Oh, to drown out Justice Jackson, Clarence Thomas resorts to wearing noise-canceling headphones. Good for him. Good for him. Now, here is what I want to bring up. How to escape after being buried alive in a coffin. <clears throat> yeah. Now, keep this in mind. It's pretty common. It happens more than you think. It, it it sounds like it does, or at least it did back then. That's why they had to install all those bells. Yeah, sometimes they would also install uh, pipes down into the casket too. So if you'd wake up, you'd be able to like breathe. The yeah. pipes, the pipes, and the bells to let somebody know at the graveyard. Hey, hey, listen, they they made a mistake. But listen to this. Take both. I know. I, I give me both. Well, it doesn't matter. They're gonna make sure. Yeah, we're gonna be embalmed. Well, maybe you will. I'll be burned half to death. I don't. I don't know. I don't want it half to death. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> just burn me half to death, and then, and then <laughs> burn me half to death. Throw me, throw me in the garbage. <laughs> throw me in the garbage pail, and let me suffer my way to the other half. Okay, you ready? It can happen to anyone. People bury people, a person alive, to scare them or to get rid of them. To and scare them. In this situation, rely only on yourself. So here's step one. Do not waste <laughs> oxygen. Now, this is where I would die automatically. <laughs> Do not waste oxygen. In a classic coffin, there's only enough oxygen for about an hour, maybe two. Inhale deeply. Exhale slowly. Once inhaled, do not swallow or you will start to hyperventilate. I'm going to be so hyperventilate. It's over. How does he know how much air is in the casket? All right, okay. What is he, a fucking scientist? He measures the fucking air? Okay, but then, but then what's the next step? The All next right, so now you know what your time is. Okay. You have your time. Now you shake up the lid yep. with your hands. Mm. You have to shake up the lid. With your hands. In some in some cheap, low-quality coffins, you will be able to even make a hole with an engagement ring or a belt buckle. Cross your arms. This is step three now. Cross your arms over your chest, holding onto your shoulders with your hands, and pull the shirt, your shirt that you have on, up, uh, off, upward. You have to pull your shirt off, upward, and tie it in a knot above your head like so now here's 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 the uh the knot so there's your head covered in the shirt and you have to tie it in a knot so nothing comes in over the top so you have a your jacket over 
your head in the coffin. Who, who, uh, who wrote this, Houdini? It's from science or <laughs> it's some science something. Listen, science did this, okay? Now, what, this, what does this do? This will prevent you from suffocating when dirt falls on your face. Yeah. Now, yeah. So, number four, you uh, kick the lid with your legs. In some cheap coffins, the lid is broken or damaged already after being buried due to the weight the ground above it. Number five, as soon as the lid breaks, throw and move dirt that falls through uh, falls through in the direction of your feet. When it takes up a lot of space, try pressing the ground to the uh, the, the the ground to the sides of the coffin with your legs and feet. Move around a bit there too. Whatever you do, your main goal is to sit up. Dirt will fill up the empty space and move to your advantage. So no matter what, do not stop and try breathing steadily and calmly. Then you th- number seven, you get up. Remember, the dirt in the grave is very loose, so battling your way up will be easier than it seems. It's the other way. Uh, it's the other way around during a rainy weather, however, since the water makes dirt heavy and sticky. And that's the, that, that's the the best. That's the best you yeah, got. Yeah, the one thing I fucking hate is that sticky mud. Has anyone ever done it? I don't know. Be there has, to be, there has to be. There has to be someone who. There has to be. It's worth a Google. In all of human history, there has to be somebody. And now I don't know if that if that means that they were buried at a certain depth. Maybe it was just a shallow grave. Obviously, that's a lot easier. Yeah, I'm sure Houdini. Houdini did but it. was it was it done at the conventional six feet? We'll have to find that out. If anybody, any of our great researchers out there in the audience finds any uh, confirmed <clears throat> confirmed stories like that, where it's not some kind of a David Blaine trick, and it's just an ordinary person then please send it to me. I could use a little help with the research these days. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's all we have for tonight. So I'm going to take a really quick uh, look uh, at the at the Super Chats and just a reminder to you all that we are going to be live on PlayStation. So you got to go to Twitch, keep your Twitch notifications on, or keep an eye out for programming changes on QuiteFrankly.tv if you're already thinking about hanging out and uh, and having a good time on the After Hours programming for the weekend roundup that starts tonight. Dooku Dan says, Richard, uh, Roseanne C. Richard. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought that was a name. Uh, Richard, Roseanne, Kathy, and Tim are great informative guests. They are all Roseanne C. Richard. Feels like a, 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 a female golfer or something. Uh, she are, <laughs> they are also people who would be fun to meet and spend time with because they are very sincere and original and must be actually nice in person. I get that, I get that feeling off of all of them as well. I really do. And I'm glad that they spend time with us. All right. Um, that's all over there. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much. Let me make sure I didn't miss anything on Rockfin. Here's a few. Ready? Live free or die, 1776. So happy to hear that you're making the rounds on social media, Frank. It'll be awesome if you can get James O'Keefe, Darren Beatty, and or Anomaly. Love the Kathy O and Roseanne interviews this week. Darren Beatty would be great. James O'Keefe would be so awesome and strategic. Why wouldn't he want to do I mean, he doesn't need the media. He's got a lot of eyes on him already, but we're, uh, we're not too far away, and it'd be wonderful to have a local with such high status come in and, and spend some time with us. And Anomaly was on the show. Anomaly was on the show once a couple of years ago. Then it just became impossible to get in touch with him. So it would be nice to have him on again. I'm sure we can find something to talk about. 
Uh, PDR111 says, Frank, the super chat you read earlier about the hive mind and the brain chip reminded me of the book Ender's Game, one of the best books ever. I think it may be a true story. Ender's Game. Okay, thank you for that. I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'm in a really bad spot with backlog of books, but it, perhaps somebody else out there will buy it on Amazon tonight and enjoy it. Citizen Chuck says, someone I knew had a Viking funeral. His wife shot the flaming arrow. Wow. Did he burn all the way through? Yeah, yeah, Chuck, can you let us know who, you know, what was the end result of that? Or is it meant to always sink through to the water and then you are just given a burial at sea, pretty much? But then you'd have to be weighted down. I don't want to be buried at sea. I know. That's something that I hate. I hate the the thought of. Um... Just Josie, I'd like hearing you say... I liked hearing you say my name. Well, there you go, Josie. Enjoy it. Take that with you into the weekend and enjoy it. Thank you. B-Tech Vendetta. Frank, it sure would be cool if Roseanne would just pop in like Kathy did the other night if she had insights. I told her she's always welcome. But she's a busy woman still, and um, I don't know how... We'll see. But she knows she's always welcome. Thank you, Curious Patriot. And one more from Deck Ventetta. You hit me in the head with one of those Curious Patriot. Uh, with one of those Curious Patriots. So here, back at you. Oh, they're having a cookie fight now again. I appreciate you all. We are unleashing the scratching over there on Foxhole. And we're saying good night. So thank you, guys and gals. Remember, go and enjoy yourself on QuiteFrankly.tv. And if you are uh, not a fan of Twitch, that's all you have to do. Because I'm sure that whatever we do on PlayStation later on with our Friday the 13th stream will be dropped right into your lap in real time. Although the chat room we will have available to us uh, will be the Twitch chat room. Maybe I'll bring up the um, I'll bring up the the foxhole too, so I can see both. But anyway, we'll see you later on. And thank you for everything. We actually have a new Halloween credits that I think you're going to like. So um, please, ladies and gentlemen, enjoy that, and we'll see you soon. Thanks, Anthony, and thanks, Matt, for hanging out with me. Thank see you, Francis. All right. Good Peace. night, guys. Bye-bye. Be good. You know what word <laughs> comes to mind when you think of that? Hmm? Pathetic. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is film before our live studio audience, and now our super chatters, Dooku Dan, Problematic Will, Claire Bear, Joe Carlucci, Stickman Mike, Cressmont Bear, Pinch of Grace and Chef Jay. Thank you to all of our friends on Rumble, all of our friends on Foxhole, and we will see you on Monday with Rich Barris kicking it off again. Good night. <laughs>